So last week we, we talked about God hearing our cries and that he draws near to the brokenhearted. So the, the big question is what happens, we know that, but what happens when we don't get a quick deliverance to the issue? We, we, we know that God is close to us and we know that, um, that eventually he'll take care of it. But how do we make it through that, that mire? How do we make it through the muck? How do we make it through the difficult times in life? That's a really good question. That's a, that's a, that's a fair question. And so what I want to offer you today is just keep right on running. Is just keep right on running. Uh, that is, you wake up the next morning, the situation's still going on, and you just make a decision that you're going to go forward. Now, let me give you a couple of scriptures. We're going to look at two of them today. Psalm 40, 31, and Psalm 25, 4, and 5. But we're going to start by focusing on the fact that God is already near to us. That is a complete game changer as we live our Christian life. So I want you to realize that for a second. God is near to us in our time of brokenness. God is near to us. So God is with us. I said last week, we need to nail that down. That's true. But there's something else that we need to nail down. And that is this, that God will give strength. God will give strength. I've, you know, I, I've seen people go through very difficult situations. And, and I talk to them and I, I say, how are you holding up? And amazingly, these people would just say that, that God is giving them the strength. That's the other issue here. Not only that, that God is close and that God knows where we are, but we have to believe that God is the one that's going to give us the strength that we need to rise above the circumstance and situation as you're going through it. I, I would also maintain that no situation has come against you that God doesn't know about. So that, that's, this is the word we hate. Wait. Right? How many of you love the word Wait. I don't. I'll be perfectly honest. And this is what Isaiah, now in the book of Isaiah, um, so many, this major prophet, by, by, by the way, in, in, in the book of Isaiah, there, there's three keys. Righteousness, faithfulness, and justice. Those, those are the three themes throughout Isaiah, woven. And in Isaiah's day, when he wrote, there was no righteousness, there was no faithfulness, and there was no justice. So Isaiah realizes a little bit about looking at our circumstances and situations and seeing this thing's corrupt. Well, we know that. We read that in 2 Timothy. Uh, we know that in the last days, men will be lovers of selves, haters of God, da 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 It goes on and on and on. And, and so that's where we live. And, and living in that environment is naturally going to produce problems for us, for you and for me. Now, he says here, Isaiah the prophet says in verse 31, as he's closing out the chapter, great chapter of chapter 40, but they who wait for the Lord, Yahweh, the one true God, those who wait, Kiva. Um, like what Warren Wiersbe said, instead of seeing the open door, the Jews saw only the long, long road before them and they complained that they did not have the strength for the journey. God was asking them to do the impossible. And then he drops this word in here, kiva. 
Now this, this word kiva, which is the word wait, it's a qual verb, and the stem of that verb carries the idea of hope. Furthermore, it means to stay where one is. Listen to this. This is, this is critical. To stay where one is and delay an action until a particular time. But those who stay and wait with the idea that I know this is where I am right now, but I'm going to wait with hope because I know out there there is a particular time that God has for my deliverance. And I know, <laughs> I, I know when we hear the word wait, this is what we think of. <laughs> uh, I, I would be impatient right here. Back here, I'd be nuts, right? Uh, how many hours do I have left to wait? And I know in our Christian lives, when, when we have a situation that is in front of us, we are wanting that situation resolved yesterday. Isn't that right? But the word wait, kiva, means to a hopeful expectation that God will deliver us at the particular time. Here, here's something else to get in our thoughts. Is that when we're in a difficult situation, Isaiah looked over the country, he said, these people are corrupt, it's all messed up, the system's uh, really flawed. This is where we live too, maybe on a different level, but the same, same situation. Humankind is in trouble because they do not have Jesus. And because we have Jesus, we're in trouble with the culture in which we live. So as, as I look over the situation, I have to realize, wait a minute, this situation, this circumstance has come against me, but I am going to deliberately wait on the Lord no matter how long that takes. Because I know he's near to the brokenhearted. God hears my cries. He's near to the brokenhearted. And that he will show up when I need to. But the issue here is that I need to rely on his strength. You and I cannot listen to this. You and I cannot live this life in isolation from God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus Christ. We are, we are, in, we are in desperate need that God will give us the strength that we need in the moment that we need to deal with the situation. That's a fact. Um, so wait. And again, none of us like that. But if, if we tweak that definition just for a second, we tweak that definition of waiting to, okay, now I'm talking about not waiting like in the sense of, okay, God, when are you going to do something? But wait in, a, in, in, in the sense that, wait a minute, God's doing something here. There's, there's an end game. There's an end game here. The end game for us is the kingdom of God when we, when we die. The older I live, the more I live in, in, in anticipation of his return because I see how things have, have gotten. So I have to project the fact that, wait a minute, I got to stick with what pastor might, actually I didn't say this, the Bible says it. But those who wait on the Lord, you need to nail that down, you need to wait on Yahweh. He will take care of it. He will deal with it. And there's also nothing that God will call you to do that he can't give you the power to do. And that's something, you know, I know, I know. When you're in the trenches, it's tough to peek out of the trenches to look to see what's up around the road. I know. 
But I want to encourage you as your pastor today to ask God to give you the strength to wait with hopeful expectation. Um, we have some promises. God has given us some promises. If you read what's right on the heels of this, but those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's a lot to unpack. But let me try to do our best here to unpack it. We're going to look at the promises that God gives us. Number one. Um, number one, he says, but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. This is a beautiful phrase. And if you catch it, you'll understand the meaning. The words shall renew. The Hebrew word is halaf. And that means to change clothing. And their, their strength, koa, means power. So what we have here is something like this. Many of you got dressed this morning. You took off your pajamas. You put on clothes. You take them off and you put on your clothes for the day. When you go to bed, you take off your clothes, you put your pajamas on, and you get into bed. That is the idea that is conveyed here to exchange our power for his. It's, it's, it's an image that Isaiah gives us of, and Paul says it this way, when you become a new Christian, you take off the old man and you put on the new man. The, I want you to get that image. So when you're in a situation, just visualize yourself taking off your own power and putting on God's power. Psychiatrists, uh, counselors, anybody will tell you visualization is powerful. So we need to have a, we need to have a visual image. Here, here it is. Halof koa. It means to exchange clothing and put on God's power. It's amazing. But then he goes on to say, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. Well, the, the eagle here is a representation of divine strength. So as we're taking off, just make a, make a note in your mind as you're going through this when you really need something to help you get through. You just say, Lord, I'm going to take off the strength that I have and I'm going to put on your strength right now and I ask you to help me soar. You see where Isaiah is going with this? Again, a visual image. The image of an eagle. And why would this set so well in the nation of Israel? Well, because of this. Exodus 19.4. You, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. This is, a, this is people riding right here on God's strength and his power. We're not holding on to his claws. We are riding with him in safety. And so when he says you shall rise up with wings like eagles, we cannot do that apart from the power of God. We do not have that ability. But God says if you exchange your power and exchange your life for my life and my power, I've, I tell you, I've, I, have seen, I have seen people go through horrific, horrific situations. And they all have one thing in common, at least in my 29 years of pastoral ministry. They have one thing in common. 
they've all said this. I could not do it apart from God's strength. So you have a situation where you've got to take off your strength. We don't go very far without, with, with our strength. We go very far with God's strength. And people that have overcome multiple calamities, losing an entire family in one sitting, how do you get through that? That's tough. God says, look, Israel, you've seen what I've done. You don't, you don't run on this your own. This is not your game. This is my game. And I will carry you through it. So, again, here's, a neat, here's, here's the two images. You have an image of taking your clothes off and putting on God's strength. Then you have the I image of the eagle. Image is powerful. One thing I like to do when I pray, and I do this a lot, is when I'm praying, I visualize God sitting on the throne. Boy, it radically changes the way that I pray when I do that. It is an image. Image is powerful. That's why I use PowerPoint. I think there's a very good value in it. I think there's also a danger in PowerPoint. Those two can be differentiated, and you can use PowerPoint with powerful images. I've had people email me and say, Pastor, that image you put up, uh, up this morning, I, I, want you to know, I want you to know that I cop found that image on the Internet, and I copied it, or, and I printed it out, and I put it on my refrigerator to help me remind. P images are powerful. Let me give you an example. 9-11. What's the first image that came to your mind? Those twin towers. You're back there. Image is powerful. Isaiah is unpacking images here for us. Okay, so we have, we have the exchange of clothes. We have the eagle. What else do we have? They shall run and not be weary. Yagea. We will not grow tired. Yagea. Run without growing tired. Um, <laughs> I went back and I looked it over again. It was, it was in 1986 is when I ran the Tulsa Marathon. Um, we, and I think I wrote about it in our little PS note from, from the pastor. Um, I, just, I tell you what, just thinking about running a marathon today makes me tired. Um, we were up at five, we were running, it was sometimes cold, um, and I had to prepare for 25 miles. I'm going to tell you, during that race, I was prepared. During that race, we were, not, we, we were not expected to win, and we did not win. I'll just tell you that. We were, we were quite a ways behind Frank Shorter. I don't know if you remember Frank Shorter. He, he, was, he was the one that won that race. We, we were quite a ways. We were quite a ways behind. But I will tell you this. That wasn't the real battle. The real battle was... Right around 12 is the magic hour for a runner on 25. 12, 13 miles. That's when you're thinking about the big gulp at the 7-Eleven. And you're thinking about pizza. And you're thinking, I don't want to do this anymore. And somehow I found the strength to get through that. 
and I crossed the finish line. When I crossed the finish line, they wrapped me up in a big burrito-looking thing, and uh, it was uh, looked like aluminum foil. But I made it. We started with like 50, and I think 12 of us, 12 or 13, I, I can't remember the exact number. We didn't, we didn't, everybody did not finish. But I tell you what, when I saw that, <laughs> my, my voice came alive. I was like, all right, guys, let's get this moving. We're going we're gonna to finish this. I could see the finish line. Uh, when, when we're running, he says here, then you will run and not be weary. We have to know that God is in control of this, that he will give us strength. There is a finish line, and we need to give it everything we can because we know that God is with us, giving us the strength. We have said, Lord, we can't do this on our own, taking that off, putting your strength on. I am going to trust and just run and, 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 and just do my life in your strength, and I am not going to get tired. I am going to, I'm not trying to do a self-help thing here. I'm trying to give you some images of a runner. That you just keep running. As you're, as you're on eagle's wings, you just keep moving. I, it doesn't matter how you keep moving, but you keep moving. You keep moving forward. He gives us another image. You see image number four here. They will walk and not faint. Yahaf. There's some wild names. Yahaf. Walk and not be fatigued. Back last April, Tim and I, my friend Tim, he's in trail life with us. We put our rucksacks on and we decided we're going to be ooh we're going to, there was a, it was an, a 12 mile course. And uh, I didn't realize it was going to be that difficult to do, <laughs> to be honest with you. Should have been a lot more prepared. We made it the first eight miles and realized that we were still a half a mile away from the camp. The problem is it was seven o'clock at night. And I said, Tim, we can't stay here in the valley. We got to get up to that hill. And we just pushed it. We got up to the top, pitched our tent, and there was a Christian group that was coming by. Did I ever tell you this story? Chris, Christian group came by, and, they, and we, we told them who we were, and I opened my thing, and it said, I was wearing my, my pastor t-shirt, had a pastor t-shirt. He goes, oh, pastor, he said, you guys are only half a mile up the road, and we went, oh, I can't make it. <laughs> I mean, we're carrying 50 pounds on our back. We've already walked eight miles, and we were tired. And I didn't want to push it anymore. Because he said, and that's, that half a mile is the hardest mile. And I go, we're good, we're good, we're good. And he started putting up the tent. And at 7 o'clock, we got the tent up. I looked at Tim, I said, you want to eat? And he goes, not, not, not particularly. <laughs> so we had a couple of granola bars, and we went to sleep. And, of course, we woke up at midnight to, a, uh, to an animal outside. Uh, our our tent, which is a bobcat, by the by the way, is a bob. It was a bobcat outside of our tent. And I said it's not going to bother us, and it didn't. But I was really tired. Let me say this: I I I know you guys get tired because I get tired. I wonder how much better it would be. If we just take a minute and say, Lord, I can't do this. I need your strength. Lord, I'm going to claim your promise that 
will rise up on eagles' wings, will run and not be weary. I'm going to trust in that. And Lord, give me the strength. We're back down here now. Give me the strength to keep moving and keep walking. You have change in the clothes. You have an eagle, you have a runner, and you have a walker. Four images. And even if you can't run, you can continue to walk. There's, there's a step down here. So that's very, very, very important. Now we switch over to Psalm 25, 4 and 5. Psalm 24, 4 and 5. Psalm 25, 4 and 5. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. They see, if you run, you have to have a path to walk on and run on. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. Here it is again. For you I wait. See that word wait? For you I wait all day long. Now this was obviously... Um, it is a song of David. It is a psalm of David. And it's actually a prayer of confidence. It's, it's a prayer of confidence in God. These were uh, ev events that really helped shape David's understanding of God here in Psalm 25. He says, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. And we're talking about our search. So here you have... On one end, God has drawn near to the brokenhearted, but he also gives us strength to do what we've got to do. But now we have another issue going on here. Make me to know your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. Yada. We've heard this word many times before in sermons I've preached. It means to possess information about something. So we have, a, we have an understanding um, of the way of God. I bet you if I pulled anybody in here and I said, is it right for you to steal? You would immediately go, no, it's not right to steal. That's a yada. That's, a, that's an information. It's a basic information about right and wrong. We know that. I bet you most of the kids here, if I asked the kids today, is it right to steal? They would go, no, it's not right to steal, Pastor. And they would be right. That's a knowledge given to them by their parents, their, their grandparents, the Bible, the Sunday school teacher, all of these things. So he says here, make no, I know some of this. But, he goes on to add, teach me your paths, or now make known your ways. And the, the way there refers to a road or a path. In the issue of right and wrong. Because there is a right way, and there is a wrong way to follow God. The right way is always right. The wrong way is always wrong. Most of us know the right way to follow God. That's kind of a knowledge, a, a basic understanding that there are some things that are always right and there are some things that are always wrong. Is it, is it right to treat your neighbor badly? No, it's wrong. That's, that's wrong. Is it wrong to uh, say something bad about another person? That's wrong. That is never right. Is it right to love somebody? Yes, that's always right. In fact, faith, love, and hope, and the greatest of these is love. So here you have 
Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. This word teach is lamat. It sounds French, but it's lamat. Um, and that refers to the ability to learn something. James 1.22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. See, you can know, you can know a lot of theology. You can know a lot of the Bible. But if you look at a verse and you go, yeah, that's speaking to me, but I'm not going to apply it. You don't have a willing heart to learn. Because when we read something, turn to me and be gracious. That's not in there for our amusement. That's in there for us to do that. It's, 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 I used to have college professors in, in, in college. And, and they, they would teach us principles and concepts and, and ideas. And whether I like those ideas or not, was immaterial to the case. What was important was that I memorized that material and I want to say regurgitate back out on the test, but that's basically what you do. You, you put that back out to what the professor gave you. That lets him know that you learned the principle. And there were many principles that I told the professors, even though I put this down, I do not agree with. But I learned it. And you know what? In the process of learning what I didn't want to know, it actually helped me increase the knowledge of what I do know and how to fight and push back against ideas that I know are wrong. But the same applies to us. If we read, love your neighbor as yourself, and we don't live it, there's problems. So we have to be willing. I, I get it. When you're hurting the real spiritual person, I think, will turn to the Psalms. Because in the Psalms, there's a lot of good information. But it, this, is, this is what can happen to us in our Christian life if, if we're not careful. You're hurting. You're not exchanging your power for, for God's power. You're, 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 you're wanting to quit. You're not pushing forward. And you're not willing to learn. You just go, okay, God, you did this to me. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything. That's the wrong way to live. You have to be willing to embrace what God has told you to do. Now, Lead me. So here you have a search. You have to seek. You have to seek to know what God has to say about a situation. And you've got to. You've got to let God teach you the path. Here's the deal. Whether you like the path or not. read teach me your ways O Lord teach me your paths yeah God I don't I don't like that path here's what I have found in my life when you know the path that God has for you and you don't want to go there you'll get there by another means he's sovereign over our lives so even if I choose not to go that path, thinking I'm going the easy path here, it becomes rather difficult in that. That's what I've experienced. 
if you and I think we can thwart the plans of God for our lives, we're in for a big wake-up call. But here's, here's the thing. When God calls us to walk a path, that's why it's so important to take off, put on, trust, run, and if you can't run, walk, and just keep moving forward on that path because I know, brothers and sisters, that God will bring deliverance. He will. And here, teach me your way, O Lord. I'm going to submit. Lead me in your truth and teach me. I love the second part. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day. Lead me. Here's something that we need to remember in our Christian lives. Jesus is our leader. Jesus said, follow me. That means, if you could do it in Paul's language, taking off your old life, putting on the new life, and following. What does that mean? Three things. One, it means I am not the leader of my life. I am the follower. You and I are the followers of Christ. Number two, I put Jesus on the throne of my life. You could say it this way. I put Yahweh on the throne of my life. Jesus is my leader, and I have him on my heart, and my life is second. His life is first. That is surrender. Surrender is, okay, Lord, there's no way out of this. Thank goodness I have Jesus leading. When your road is blocked, sometimes it's blocked for a reason. When you can't get there from here, blocked, it's blocked for a reason. God has a different plan. But we have to be willing to say, teach me. Teach me that plan. And by the way, I can never forget our Christian roots, which is to follow Jesus in all of this. That's the ultimate goal. Um, <laughs> For you are the God of my salvation. I think we need to say that a lot. I think it's important in, in, in bad times to go, Lord, you are the God of my salvation. I want to thank you. I will wait for you all day long. You know what that word wait is? We saw it already, kiva. It's a hopeful expectation. Let's flip it. Let's flip the image here from, uh, Lord, I just... I, to, okay, God, I'm not living there. I am not going to live my life there. I am going to trust you. God, I'm going to take off. I'm going to take your power, put it on, and of course in the presence of the Holy Spirit, obviously, because he's our helper. But 
and, and I'm just going to, and at times when I can't do this, I'm, I'm going to keep moving. The thing is to keep moving. And then say, Lord, you show me which, which way to go, and I will follow. Even if it means a difficult route. One of my Old Testament professors, um, when I was at Trinity, Dr. Van Germen, um, very good scholar in the Old Testament, learned, learned a lot from him, particularly in the book of Isaiah. But um, he wrote this, true godliness, this is something we need to get. Listen to this. True godliness is not an outward conformity to God's law. The Pharisees did the law outwardly. In some cases they didn't, but most of the time they did it. But it says not conformity to God's law, but a spiritual application of God's law to one's life. He does not... We, he does not submit to a set of principles or to a legal system, but to God. When God says, this is what I want from you, this is what I want your life to be, it's not that you're conforming to that, it is submission to God. And that's what God really cares about. He cares about submission, even when things are tough, even when things are difficult, and especially in those times. Because listen, if we are submissive within that submission, God will give us the strength that we need to make it through to the end of the trial or the situation. Fact. But do you want... This is not how you live your Christian life. This is not how I live my... You did this. That's not how we live it. We live it. Yes, we yes, we conform to God's laws, but you can do you can do follow Jesus' teachings outwardly, but not apply them inwardly. And part of being a good student and a good follower of Christ is to apply the principles to our lives so that we follow and live him. So I think maybe these Maybe these, these two counterbalance each other. You, you have to be willing um, to stop living your Christian life in your own strength. You need to do that today, right now. You need to come up here and you tell God and you stop doing this in my own strength. I need, to, I need your strength. The second thing that we need to do as believers is to say, Lord, teach me. Even if I don't like the answer and it hurts. Teach me. And? I think, I think submission is the key to the Christian life. Keep running. Keep running. Keep running the path. Keep moving forward. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop. Trust God. Live for him. Love him. Talk to him often. And read his word and obey it. The Lord's eyes are over the righteous. The Lord's eyes are over the righteous. He's watching you and me.
stay the course. If you take nothing else away from this, take the image changing and take this. Keep on running.